Here we go. It's Monday night. And don't you know, it's time for Ira on Sports. True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Huge show on tap for you tonight. And Ira, full disclosure, as always, we're pre-recording this show. And there's a good reason for that. You're not in town. You've got some plans. So we're taping it early in the day on Monday because I'm going to the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, Penn State versus Utah. Everybody knows I'm a huge Penn State football fan. I think I've been to... I estimate about 40 bowl games that Penn State's been in. I mean, my parents were taking me to bowl games when I was like two and three years old for Penn State football. So I'm not going to miss this one. It's my fourth Rose Bowl that I've gone to that Penn State's been in it. So uh, I'm so pumped to go to the game. You know, it's great to be in Pasadena. The weather's cold but uh, and chilly, not like Florida, but uh, very excited for the game today. And Penn State Utah is going to be a good game. I, I expect it to be a shootout like last year's. If people remember the game last year, uh, Utah, Ohio State, what high scoring game that was. I think we expect the same this time and ira you've um you know had a busy weekend as well what have you been up to well i, I saw one of the greatest possible games i've ever been to i would say when i say great i mean exciting not great because the teams play great not great because i saw the most amazing you know whatever but the fact that that tcu michigan game the upset there at the fiesta bowl in the state farm uh, state farm stadium first of all i had the best seat i think i might have ever had an event i was like Dead center for the airline, first row of the club. Don't have to worry about people standing up. I got great pictures, perfect pictures on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to see that game. But it was just the atmosphere was awesome. I was in the TCU section. And you know, sometimes you know I'm not a TCU fan, but just the idea of like being, you know, like if I, I said it was a flood, I'd love to be a TCU fan. They were so happy. They were so joyful. They were so appreciative. I mean, this is a school that, you know, everyone, they have, they were 200 to one going into the season. They had zero votes, you know, and they were at the same level that like, you know, they were listing the teams like, like the Houston Rockets this year in, in basketball or the worst team in hockey or, or the, uh, you know, the worst team in the NFL. And they have made it to the finals of the national championship game. And they haven't won a uh, national championship since 1938. Um, and they, it's just, it is the, it, I just, the, their fans are passionate. They're from, you know, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, they wear purple. They wear glitter. They have the horn frogs. Who else has a horn frog? This is a nickname. And their fans were great. And I'll tell you what, the Michigan fans were great too. They were into this game. They, the stadium was packed on both sides, 50 50. Great atmosphere. And I'll tell you, the game was insane. I didn't think, you know, Michigan, this is my third time I saw them live this year. Wow. I mean, they did not look like the teams I saw the first two times against Ohio State and against Penn State. And uh, TCU, tremendous win. And, and I, you know, you would do one of those Iras, right? I was wrong. I was wrong. I did not think that TCU would be able to do what they did uh, in terms of offensively against Michigan. And as Ira said, uh, he's got some great pictures. You can catch them anywhere on social media, at Ira on Sports. No guests tonight, but there's plenty to talk about. And speaking about admitting we're wrong, Ira, I don't know if I want to go completely that route in my case, but we for a long time on this show have said, don't expand the college football playoff. I don't need to see the 8 or 12 seed in the country get crushed by an Alabama or a Georgia. And going into this year... What was the line? It was like 21 points was the average, you know, difference in score in these games. This weekend might have completely changed that because we saw two of the best college football games I can see, I can remember in recent memory. 
But I want to take that. I want to stay again. I still like four, and I'll tell you, we'll go. How about next week we discuss about why I like four over 12? Because I think that this is perfect in terms of what it is and getting the quality of teams that you want in this matchup. And I think it does surprise you in terms of how it – but, I mean, with two amazing games, and it was great to watch both those games. But I'm against going to 12. I think it's just too much for these teams to travel. I think the quality of play is really going to start to suffer, and then you're going to start getting blowouts when you have to suddenly play five playoff games. And then you're going to see players opt out. Like, I think asking the players to go play two the championship games and the semifinal final, but now if you're asking them to play two more games when the pro career is sitting right in their face, I can see people saying, I'm going to play my national, you know, the conference championship, but then I'm done. I'm not going to play another four more games. And I know it's for a national championship, but if I'm going to be a first pick in the draft or I have an injury that I want to play through. So, uh, wow. I mean, it was definitely, I was wrong about TCU. And uh, I, I think Michigan took them lightly. I'm just going to say that. I felt like, you know, and as a Michigan, if I was a Michigan fan, I would be disappointed with the performance. You throw two pick sixes in a game. Your defense doesn't seem to be able to stop them in any way, and you don't expect to win. I mean, the fact that they were in the game with the ball with a chance to win the game at the end of the game, I think shows what I saw with TCU. I thought their defense was you – know, I thought their defense, you could move the ball on them. I felt they could, but I felt like in, in situations, TCU's defense did come up, did play strong, did play well. But Michigan, you can't – you know, how many teams have you ever heard of two pick sixes in a game and still win a game? And Michigan had a chance to, uh, just uh, Michigan did not play well. So, Ira, let's um, let's talk about the game itself and beforehand. So you get out there. What was it like before the festival? I was lucky. So I had uh, a friend of mine who was the Michigan Alumni Association, all that stuff. So I went and stayed at a hotel. They all stay at the Westin, which is beautiful in Scottsdale. Absolutely amazing hotel. But I stayed at like the AC Hotel, which is right next to the Westin. So I got all the advantages of being out there. You know, I only got there a day before, but the day, you know, but so I came in that night. But boy, we got there super early. And what I love about bowl games is people understand is that there's not like really tailgating. If you don't have cars, you can't really have tailgating. So they have these big events. So you go to this one big tailgate, per se, but it's like the Dave and Busters, because around the State Farms, Stadium is all these other restaurants and bars, which have all grown up in Glend in the Glendale area of Arizona. And so you go in these, and it's like you know two thousand people from Michigan. And then there's another bar that has two thousand TCU fans. But then after that, we went to another place, and it was the uh, it was like the president's whatever luncheon. And there was this field down there, and there's TCU and and Michigan on each side, and they bring the Michigan band out and pep rally and the cheerleaders and all that. And I love that. I mean, that's great. You don't not get that in an NFL game, like in a playoff. You know, it's pretty cool, and it was great to be there. We got there six hours early, saw everything, so I had, I had a great time to be out there. And then I love, you know, having a dome stadium inside because it was a little cool. But I just love the stadium, and I had a club seat. And you get in there, and it's it, I've said this before. I was at the Steeler Cardinal game uh, a couple years ago. Uh, the club is the, the best I've seen. It has every, there's different restaurants in there. They have big screen TVs with the sound, and you can move around. Plenty of restrooms. It is the nicest club of any stadium I've been in. I love this stadium. That's why they're hosting the Super Bowl this year in Arizona. So I'll be back in Arizona watching the Super Bowl. It is a great stadium and easy to get in, easy to get out of. And uh, and the sight lines are tremendous. And the scoreboard, everything about it, I like. I'm the biggest fan of the world. And it's a retractable roof. It actually opens and closes. But for the big games, it's always closed. So, Ira, let's talk about the game itself because, um, you know, as we know now, is the highest scoring Fiesta Bowl ever. Yes, the highest scoring Fiesta Bowl ever. Um, this is now, you know, this is now, this, now TCU winning this game is now the first Big 12 team to play in the title championship since Texas in 2009. Uh, Michigan, one in six in bowl games under Harbaugh. 
But the game started interesting because Michigan, uh, TC won the coin flip, and they deferred to Michigan. And Edwards, for we saw those runs against Ohio State, Dominic Edwards, these great runs against any runs against Penn State too. You know, first play of the game, 54 yards. <laughs> they get all the way down to like the three-yard line, and they try like this. You know, they got they got him down there, and then they don't kick the field goal, which they should have done. Like you got to just kick the field goal, get your points, get started, and they run on fourth down, the craziest, like third and like three. And they're fourth and three, and they run this reverse, quadruple reverse. Like, what are you? I mean, like, Michigan, just run the ball in. Like, if you're, if you're going to do that, kick the field goal. Like, don't run a reverse like that. It was stupid. It reminded me when Taylor ran the fake punt, you know, when I criticized that thing. TC goes three and out, um, and uh, then Michigan gets the ball back, pick six, right then and there, seven nothing TCU. And you're like, wow, J.J. McCarthy, what are you doing throwing? Like, you've got to be careful. It's a terrible pass. Awful, and I like how TCU was very opportunistic in terms of scoring. There, uh, Thompson, their number, the player was number one. Number the player who were number one on offensive defense was was uh, tremendous players for both for TCU. And then uh, Michigan went three and out. Uh, Dylan Horton for uh, TCU had three sacks in the game. It was just like dominant. And then TCU Max Dugan, the quarterback. Remember, two years ago he had heart surgery for eight hours. This guy was searching heart surgery for eight hours, and now he's playing. He's, you know, Heiser Trophy finalist, can be drafted in the NFL draft, led his team to a great season, national championship game. Uh, he threw and ran, did everything. You know, he's just going down the field, making the big plays, scoring a touchdown 14 nothing. Michigan makes it 14-3. And then Dugan throws an interception. Uh, it wasn't really not his fault. It was, like, kipped. It was a good pass. But, and then Michigan throws this 50-yard pass to Roman Wilson. It gets down uh, to the – like, they, it was ruled a touchdown. So I look at my picture of my camera, and I'm like, his knee is down a foot there. And I show all the TC fans, like, oh, my God, it's down. And then they, they challenged it. And then there was an issue. I mean, it, it looked like he could have bobbled it and then fell in when my picture shows that he caught it when the knee was down. But anyway, no one thought a big deal about it. It's like you're on the half-inch line, first down and goal to go on the half-inch line. And what does Michigan do? They fumble right then and there. I mean, just a complete disaster in order a chance. You know, you're down 14-3. You've got to score a touchdown there. The TCU punts, Michigan punts, and then um, – Great pass from Duke and the Barber made it 21-3 with 4:56 left in the in the first half, and that was like unbelievable. So like you're now Michigan's got three points the whole first half, and they Michigan gets the ball back, they punt, and TCU. This is where TCU I think sort of they didn't they didn't play it smart. Like they should have just probably said we're up 21-3. They got a little greedy. They couldn't get the first down, and they get Michigan the ball back. Michigan was able to make some plays. There were some controversial, you know, pass interference penalties, but the guy kicks a 60-yard field goal, uh, make it 21-6 as a half. I think it was like a gift three points. They didn't really need to do that. And so it's sort of like it gave a taste in terms of, wow, it's like you don't want to put those three points and go into halftime at 21-6. Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira's mentioning the pictures. See them yourself anywhere on social media at Ira on Sports. Let's go to the second half, Ira, because I was watching this game, Mike, well, TCU is going to run away with this one. A lot of people said that. You know, I, I'm like, wait a second. You're talking about Michigan here. You're like, you know, and I think that 21-6, that that three points sort of made it a game. And uh, then they, uh, Michigan ran a flea flicker. Dell was stopped at the six yard line, uh, but they just got a field goal on that. Like it was like they ran a great play again. Michigan had trouble in the red zone in terms of scoring touchdowns. You saw, look, I watched the Orange Bowl. We're going to talk about it later. Clemson and the, you know, in these bowl games, you the field gets small, smaller. You can't run those big plays that you you have done. Remember, it's Ohio State, Michigan was a big play team. They scored all the plays. On, you know, it doesn't think like that, but they they really didn't. They they hemmed down in the red zone and against Georgia. Remember, George, Michigan, and Georgia. 
Georgia a couple years ago and last year, actually, in the Orange Bowl. They had trouble in the red zone, too. Seems like you know, one of the problems that Michigan has. And then uh, they only it was 21-9, but then Duga threw a bad interception there. So now he threw his second interception. Michigan went three plays. They threw to Ronnie Bell. Uh, great touchdown pass, long pass, made it 21-16. At that point, you know, now you're saying, wait a second. Now, TCU, you had your chance. You're up 21-3. It's 21-16. This is going to be a blowout. Fourth quarter, you know, Michigan on to the national championship game. But then Dugan threw a 46-yard pass to Quinton Johnson, and then DeMarco, the running back, the backup running back actually came in, made a big run, made a 28-16. And I'm like, wow, I mean, that's why the twist and turn. Then what does is, what is J.J. McCarthy do Michigan? He throws a pick six again and uh, makes it 34-16. So now suddenly it's 34-16. The second you thought Michigan was going to take over the game, and you're like, and then now, now the emotions are like, oh, my God, it's, you know, it's over, it's whatever. And then, then McCarthy goes run. He runs for 39, runs for 20. I mean, it's the speed that Michigan responded. It wasn't like they had this long drive. It took them like a minute. They make it 34-22. And then uh, TCU goes down again, and uh, DeMarco had a 69-yard run, made it 41-22. So you're now up 19. Like, this game is over. But then what does Michigan do? 44-yard pass right back to Bell. Like, the defense is totally, like, left the field. Like, <laughs> like I always said, like, a Big 12 game broke out, like, at this game. And they made it so 41-30. What does TCU do? They get the ball back. It's 41-30. Just with a few minutes to go in the game, you know, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they fumble the ball. Then Michigan, two plays, touchdown. So now it's 41-38. And now you're the same. You have the same feel like you had earlier. It's like, okay, TCU, you had your chance. Now you're going to blow the game. And then... Dugan throw to Quinton Johnson, and I have a great picture of this. Johnson just turned that corner, and he is going to be – someone's going to win fantasy football next year because of Quinton Johnson because he put a Jets on that speed. It looked like he was going Tyreek Hill speed down that sideline, broke a tackle, ran away from the whole Michigan defense, 76-yard touchdown, and I think that was the play of the game because at that point, the emotion at 41-38, is like that's when I felt like TC was going to go three and out, Michigan was get the ball, Games over 45, you know, you know, it's going to be that's going to be the end 45 41, 52 41. But that touchdown that suddenly makes them up 48 38. Uh, Michigan goes three and out in a punt, and uh, and uh, TCU this is another chance to end the game though. So it's 48 38. Michigan has a bad punt, you're like, okay, score touchdown, game's over. But they go and they just kick a field goal, and they and they made it 51 38. And then Michigan, you know, has to punt again. But TCU was back in the back in the back by the goal line on a great punt. And the Michigan goes down, scores, it makes it fifty-one forty-five. And then to play the game, TCU has the ball. It's fifty-one forty-five. TCU has the ball. It's like you know, hold on. They're just like you almost felt. The TCU fans are like crying, like like get a first down, get a first down. And they got that one first down. Third and one. Dugan made a great run. So they get the first down, and uh, uh, and that ran off enough time. So when they punted the ball, like they couldn't get the next first down. Michigan had to use all three timeouts. They punted the ball, and then Michigan is back, and, and they, have, they have like the ball in the 25 with a minute to go, no timeouts. Uh, McCarthy made a couple of completions. And then their whole argument, you know, Michigan fans are like saying there should have been targeting at the end on the fumble and those things, but it was fourth down. But – I felt like they're not going to call target. That, that, if they would have called a targeting call on that or a, a personal foul, um, I just think that that's the refs getting too involved in the game. That play was done. It was over, and, and I think it was done at that point. But, uh, you know, for TCU, I mean, the twice that Michigan came back, got within a few points, and then immediately TCU expanded their lead, that's what made this game such with the twists and turns. And it was like, you know, like I always say, you know, Shakespearean novel, like you don't know what's going to happen, and that's what I love about college football. You know, and it's interesting you bring up Quinton Johnson, who 
probably going to be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. He's going to be a stud. And you bring up Tyreek Hill's speed. What Quinton Johnson has that Tyreek Hill doesn't have is he's 6'4". And runs like this, he's extremely agile and mobile while also being DK Metcalf's build. He's he's going to be an absolute star. I'm praying that he falls to the Giants in the draft, knowing that there's no chance that that happens. But fantastic game you got to be in. He's going to go probably around, you know, the top 10. So some team's going to really luck out with him. Um, Great game to be at. Great pictures at Ira on sports. Yeah, I just want to. I just yeah. I just want to add a couple of things. I, Michigan on third down again. They were three for thirteen. Like this is a you know to think when they scored all those points and they were three for thirteen on third down. TCU was eight for sixteen. Total yards were about the same. Michigan five twenty eight. TCU four eighty eight. Uh, TCU had two hundred twenty three yards passing. Michigan three forty two. But I think the key to the entire game, the key to the game was this. I watched TCU play with everyone in the games. Chaos. That's what the games were. They're up in games, down in games. They were about to lose. They came back. They they were up two touchdowns, down two touchdowns. Their games were absolute chaos most of the year. I I held that against them. I said they're winning chaos games. The games are a mess. And Michigan, what's Michigan games most of the game? Most of the season, third quarter, game's over. Fourth quarter, everyone's looking around. Reserves are in the game. They didn't have chaos games. Ohio State was a chaos yeah. game. But there was so much emotion involved in that, and they came back and they won. And actually, at the end of the game, you know, they blew, they blew them out. <laughs> it wasn't really close at the end. That's where I felt like that was the TCU used at their advantage. The game was crazy. The fans were saying, if we were down 21-3, we still think we'd come back. Because that's how they played their entire year. And I think somehow that's, you know, you see that. I, I thought about the Miami-Nebraska game when Miami won in the Orange Bowl, the upset Howard Schellenberg. You know, all that year Miami had closed games. They lost two games, but it was closed games. Nebraska, one of the most greatest offensive teams I've ever seen, just blew everybody out. Like, so when they were in that closed game, that's what made it difficult. It's sometimes you're just not used to being in this type of game where it's up and down. TCU was just, I got to give them credit. I mean, they, they did not, I think any, if they did not have the season they had with the chaos, I call their chaos games, I don't think they would have been able to withstand when Michigan had those two runs against them. They would have probably folded. But they had been involved in these games and knew how to respond, and they had resiliency. And that's where I think the entire key to the game was the fact that they had played these type of games all year. Maybe not against the team at a quality like Michigan, but they had played that type of game, and I think that's what helped them win the game. No, it's a great point. They thrive under pressure, and they've been doing it all year long, whereas Michigan faced virtually no, no, um, no issues all season. They cruise. So it's a really good point. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. So after this game, Ira... I'm thinking there's no way that the night game could, could possibly live up to this first one, but they did their best with Ohio State and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Georgia wins 42-41, and I tell you what, I got nervous because the game's over. I'm like, I got to go back to the hotel. It's in Scottsdale, and I got lucky. I came out. There was a bus right there. The bus was there. I put up my, the game on my phone, so I'm watching it on the bus. The bus is for the, the Michigan alumni, so I get on that bus. And, you know, I think you're going to sit in a parking lot for two hours trying to get out of a stadium that a game, like, ends like that. They had, like, a special bus lane. The bus just goes. Like, I literally got on the bus, and I was back in the hotel. I mean, I was going 70 miles an hour within a few minutes. Like, you, and when they're, you're pulling out after the bus lane, you're looking at all the cars. You're like, people are looking at me out there for four hours in the parking lot. They'll never get out of that lot. So I got back, and I literally was at the, I was at a, a, the hotel at the bar watching the game by getting the second quarter, which is, which is pretty, I couldn't believe it. And, uh, but again, this, this game was crazy because Ohio State was able to jump out to that lead, uh, the, the 21-7, so, you know, uh, 21-7 lead. Stetson Bennett had that inter- bad interception. And that, you know, when they've gone up to 21-7, you're like, wow. But again, Georgia, 
Georgia this year, maybe not. The Missouri game was a tight game. Um, but if you looked at their team last year and how they played against Alabama, like they, this experience of team, especially Seth and Bennett, their quarterback, when I saw both the SEC championship game, which he lost, and the national championship game, which he won, which was just in that fourth quarter performance was tremendous, you felt like Georgia is not going to give up. And like they're down 21 7, and Ohio State better keep, you know, putting the pedals to metal because Georgia's coming back. Like they're not going to blow Georgia out of this game. And that's why they made it 21 14, and then, uh, then it was 21 21. Uh, 21-21 in the game. And then Stroud, before halftime, Stroud had a touchdown to Xavier Johnson, made it 28-24. So at that point, you're like, wow. I mean, I think what surprised people was the Georgia defense totally broke. And But it, but I felt like Ohio State, like I was wrong about TCU, but at this game I said, I think Ohio State can move. I saw Tennessee against against Georgia, and Tennessee got, got beat back. But I, but Georgia's defense, uh, Rambo, their big corner, just could not guard Marvin Harrison Jr., and, and Stroud is tremendous. I, I, even in a loss, we talked about this before this game, I think C.J. Stroud probably made himself the first point, uh, pick in the draft. He was phenomenal in the game. He was running the ball. He had, he had to run when he had to run. We had the, the uh, writer from the Ohio State uh, Columbus Dispatch on who said, boy, they were waiting for him to run, but he did everything. When, he, when there was the running angles were there to run, he ran it, and then when he had to make the passes, he made the passes. And then he's at halftime at 28-24. So, so what happened from that? Because – I'm watching this game, and and it looked like, to me, Ohio State was playing better at this point. And I'm thinking, Ohio State needs to keep this going. They they can definitely win this game. Yeah. And then the third quarter, you're waiting for Georgia to make their run, and it was Ohio State who made their run. They Stroud to Agbuka, made it 35-24. Georgia punts, you know, with Amos to go in the third, and Ohio State punted. Then Georgia misses a 52-yard field goal. And uh, and then they got a field goal. They had first and 10. Ohio State went down, got first and 10, two incompletions. Then it was 38-20, and they just kicked a field goal. So they got – was 38-24 at the end of three. Man, if they would have got a touchdown right there, that would have been a big, big change in terms of, I think, uh, uh, give that a, an extra four points, make it 42-24, but 38-24, still you felt like two-score game. They're still back in the game. But then Georgia responds, 12-play drive. Um, they were fourth and six. And this is the key, the key play of the game. It was fourth and six on the high state 13. And Bennett threw to Bowers, the tight end, who's going to be a first-round pick and will be playing fantasy football next year. Everyone talks about that. Um, and uh, he was short on the call. But they went to the tail was a timeout for whatever. It seemed like the TV at the time was like 10 minutes. Comes back, then they roll it first down. And that, you know, and at that point, then they made it third. They only got a field goal out of that play drive, but it made it 38 27. Then Ohio State was three and out. Um, they were about to call, you know, but uh, they called a fake punt. And this is another key play. Ohio State calls a fake punt. They get it. But Kirby Smart calls the timeout at the, the, the split last second. And you and I both have seen t- teams that when they try to call that timeout, sometimes the refs say, no, no, you're too late. But Kirby got that. You know, he did everything right. He saw it, that it was a fake punt call. You know, because otherwise there, I think Ohio State might have ran out the you know, clock in the game. Uh, Georgia then, but then Georgia had that one, got the ball back on the punt. One play, 76 yards, Bennett to Smith. You know, one of those big, big time plays. Um, and then... Uh, uh, but then Ohio State kicks a field goal, makes it 41-35. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt on a targeting call. So that sort of – not having Harrison Jr. out there uh, was, was crucial. They couldn't get that – they, they they have the ball at 41-35. They have to, you know they you know they just they got the field goal, but again they just couldn't get that extra touchdown on that play, and I think that hurt them. 
with what does Georgia go down with 243 left? You know, Bennett to McIntosh, Bennett to Bowers, uh, and uh, uh, and then uh, Bennett to Kyrus Jackson for 35 yards, and then Bennett to Mitchell for a touchdown to make it 42-41. I mean, Stetson Bennett on that drive just shows. I mean, I, that was tremendous. He's been doing it in college football all the time, a game-winning drive. But Ohio State gets the ball with one minute to go, and Stroud did what he had. You know, he they drove the team down fast. I mean, he did something. That's what Michigan couldn't do, got it in the field goal. But they weren't really in field goal range. They, 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 they had two passing completions where they was trying to get it closer, leaving just a 50-yard field goal. But remember we had um, – uh, we had the Ohio State writer on, and I mentioned about you know Ruggles, the, the great field goal teacher for Ohio State. I go, if it comes down to him, you know he's been kicking field goals all year. He's amazing. He's one of the best kickers. But if you look at the snap, it was a bad snap, bad hold, and uh, it was a bad miss. You could see it was a miss from the, from the start, and that was the end of the game. Yeah, crazy game it, it was, and it was nice to see, like you said, there's a lot of future <laughs> NFL players on the field here, so that's always exciting for me. I have to ask you a personal question, though. Be, growing up on Long Island, most people don't have an allegiance to a college, is, is, you know, unless it's Stony Brook or something like that. You're a lifelong Penn State fan. So I have a lot of friends who went to the University of Alabama, and I'm texting them during the game, like, you guys must be rooting hard for Ohio State. And they were like, no, we're rooting for Georgia. We want our conference to look good. Do you do that? Like, I, I can't see you rooting for Ohio State, Ira, even though, you know, it's the, the conference a, allegiance, but you should want them to lose, right? I want to tell you something. I, it's hard. I don't like Ohio State at all. I like Michigan, but I really was rooting for the conference. But I'm with Michigan fans, and Michigan fans were all rooting against Ohio State. And I had Michigan State fans that were rooting against Ohio State, too. So, again, I don't know. It's a weird thing about the whole conference, about how they if you root for the conference. I think the SEC, like, it's hard. Like, does Auburn root for Alabama? Does Alabama root for Auburn? If that is where you're, you're in a conference. It's important, but you root for that team. But I, I, I could guarantee you that 100% of the Michigan fans are rooting against Ohio State. Nobody was rooting for Ohio State. The last thing they wanted on their day, like this day was already horrendous. A lot of Michigan fans didn't care. Like the game was over and they didn't even watch the game. They didn't care. But uh, that the worst thing would have happened was Ohio State made the national championship game. So I think most of the Michigan fans, and I think Ohio State fans would have said the same way, that they just would not be rooting for Michigan or Ohio State. The hatred is so great between the two teams. Yeah, for me, it's like the Yankees fans rooting for the Red Sox because they want the AL to win the World Series. It just it yeah. would never <laughs> happen. Uh, so glad I got your two cents on that. Let's talk a little bit about the Orange Bowl because this was one, um, obviously, in our backyard, but it was really hard to handicap this one. Tennessee was so good this year, but they're without Hendon Hooker. Clemson, you really don't know what you're going to get from them, but this ended up being a, a pretty convincing win for Tennessee. It was the weirdest game I think I've ever seen. I, Clemson ran... 101 plays in a game, and they scored 14 points. Clemson got the ball seven times in the first half. They got in Tennessee territory all seven times. They got to the Vols 25-yard line on four occasions, and they end up with nothing. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, they missed three field goals. They had a fake field goal. They, it was just, and then at the end of the first half, they were ready for another field goal, and they clock right out. Uh, it was just a total breakdown from Clemson's perspective. And all Tennessee did was Tennessee would either go three and out or throw long bombs. Joe Milton's arm was in three long touchdown passes, 19 for 28 uh, passing. But it was, he was, uh, and remember, they're missing. They don't have a hooker. They, they don't have uh, Hyatt, Wyatt, Hyatt, their, uh, uh, their, their, their uh, great wide receiver. Uh, but they, they, you know, they can, they can, um, um, Squire Wright had nine catches for 108 yards for Tennessee. But it was like these long bombs that Milton threw. And I remember, Milton was at Michigan. So people at Michigan, you know, my Michigan fans are like, oh, we remember Joe Milton, whatever. But Milton got a lot of credit because when he transferred to Tennessee, he was going to be a starting quarterback. 
He got hurt. Hooker became the quarterback last year. Hooker stays there. Milton doesn't transfer out, stays there. And now next year, after a game like this, when Milton was tremendous with the three touchdowns and looks great, he's going to go as one of the Heisman Trophy candidates, you know, front runners for next year. So people are happy about that. But it was just, I think, from Tennessee's, for, for Clemson's perspective, Kitty Klubnick, freshman. The question is, why was DJ Ungale the quarterback all year? You see Kitty Klubnick play, play great. Uh, 30 for 54, 320 yards, made some mistakes, but you just don't know why. That, would it have been different? Would they have been playing the national championship game if he had been the quarterback the entire year? Yeah, no, it brings up a good point. I think they were they stuck with DJU because the hype he had after Trevor Lawrence, it was like, this is the next Trevor Lawrence, and looked good at first and then just never kind of, you know, he seemed to get worse every week. I mean, you're right, they should have made the switch halfway through the season instead of waiting until the end. Well, they made the switch finally in the, in the ACC championship game. They pulled DJ in that game. Katie came in. Hubnett came in that game. Then they then he gave a start. And DJ has tra- you know was in the transfer portal and was transferring out. So the and it's now Katie Hubnett's team. But I I was just it was surprising because we had talked about this a little bit before about Clemson is that when uh, uh, when Trevor Lawrence was there, you know uh, he was able to get you know they brought him in fast. He was able to uh, to step in to become the quarterback uh, faster. You know again they, I think they just waited too long to bring to make this change and. Uh, it was deferential to DJ, but maybe it wasn't the right uh, right decision. So what happened in the Sun Bowl? Well, Pitt beat UCLA 31-35. Big win for Pitt. I, Pitt was excited because they, they, you know, they, they, were, they beat North Carolina basketball. They beat UCLA the Sun Bowl. And my friends at Pitt fans are ecstatic about that game in terms of, of, that, of, of the big win in terms of what Pitt's doing in terms of the ACC. Remember last year they had Kenny Pickett. So now we'll see what the quarterback, but it seems like now Pitt is, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a, from, from someone who's a big Penn State fan, those Pitt fans, they viewed this game as big as Pitt. It was an exciting game and, uh, to win 37-35. And Notre Dame got the win uh, over South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. Crazy game. I was watching part of that as I'm traveling, and I predicted Carolina would win this game. Spencer Rattler played great, but North, South Carolina's defense has got to get better. Like they cannot. Like North Carolina, Notre Dame switched to quarterbacks. I mean, it was a mess game. But South Carolina, if they want to play this game, you know, they had that big win over Tennessee. They knocked Tennessee out of the uh, national championship picture. They had a great wins at the end. But they, if they want to, if they want to play, like you know, this is this is going to be for them to step up and be a. Like at the level that Tennessee, look, Tennessee this year beat Alabama, LSU, and Clemson, six of the last seven national titles. South Carolina, I love what Beamer has done, Shane Beamer has done at that program, and that is amazing. But that, their defense, they cannot, they just, their defense just collapsed. I mean, Notre Dame, we don't see Notre Dame score points like this all year, and they were just running up and down the field. So you have to think that Alabama and Nick Saban were ready to take out their frustrations of not making the, uh, the college football playoff on someone, and Kansas State happened to be that team. I saw Alabama play Michigan a couple of years ago in the Citrus Bowl, and they won. And everyone said, oh, Alabama's not going to care about this game. But, Bryce, you know, Bryce Young didn't opt out. Will Anderson played. I mean, their players all played. They had no opt-outs at ever. And then Kansas State was up 10 nothing, And then there you see Bryce Young, 15 for 21, 320 yards, five touchdowns. I say C.J. Stroud's the first pick. Uh, but the only reason, I think Bryce Young, his arm is great. Bryce Young, to me, looks a lot like Tua. That's the only thing. And you see Tua's problem with staying healthy. And that's the only reason why I wouldn't pick Bryce Young first. I just don't think he's big enough to play, and you see the problems that Tua has. But Bryce Young, in terms of, I thought it was great that he played in the game. I had an amazing college career. Too bad he didn't win a national championship. But uh, um, but it was great that you know, he came in that game. It just was a perfect game to, to blow out Kansas State. Remember, Kansas State, who beat TCU in the, uh, in the uh, Big 12 championship game. So let's talk about the Music City Bowl. Real fast, Kentucky, 
and this is a player. I just I put those games back and back because Will Levis doesn't play in the game for Kentucky. So here's Bryce Young playing in a game that really doesn't matter at all because he wants to. And Will Levis for Kentucky doesn't play. They get shut out of the game. So when we're looking at like who's going to be drafted where, this is they go forward. Will Levis, who you know, former Penn State, I wish he was on Penn State all these years. It's a question of not playing against uh, against Iowa in that game. Yeah, and Will Levis, I keep seeing going in the top 10, and I, I just don't see it after this season. Florida State and Oklahoma matched up in the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, and Florida State ends up winning 35-32. Um, look, from a Florida State perspective, Jordan Travis, great game. 419 yards, two touchdowns. He just keeps improving and improving and improving. I mean, if I'm Jordan Travis and you have this all the summer off, if, if Jordan Travis can take the next level, like that, the question is, where is he going to go from this level? This is crucial because Florida State's going to be good. I mean, they, you know, Nordell's done great there. They won five games in the last five games of the regular state season, scoring 38 points in them all. They were five and three in conference play. And uh, this is a good win over, you know, Oklahoma stinks. Like, you know, the Oklahoma's of a six and seven team. But I just like the fact that Florida State was able to win that game. Let's see what Florida State can do, improve on their defense side, defensive side. The transfer portal is going to be crucial getting some defensive transfer ability in there. And, but I think everything on Florida State is where does Jordan Travis go? Where's that next step? Like we talk about Tennessee with Joe Milton, where's that next step with Jordan Travis? And is he going to be the superstar quarterback? And if you're a Florida State fan, you've got to be feel good about this because, you know, everyone's transferring in different quarterbacks, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, USC it worked with Kyle Robinson uh, this year, Kyle Robinson this year transferring to USC. But, you know, it doesn't work. So now you have the quarterback in the system, knows what it is, coming back next year. If you're a Florida State fan, you've got to feel good about this. And Jordan Travis very well could be listening to the show right now. Went to Palm Beach Gardens High School uh, just about a block from the station. Let's go to the NFL, Ira. Ira on sports, true oldies channel, Mike Balsamo here as well. Going back to Thursday night, Tennessee Titans didn't have much to play for in this game, knowing that it was going to come down to the final week of the season versus Jacksonville for the division. And it really looked like that because they put on a pathetic performance versus the Cowboys. Can I say this, though? I watched the game. I thought the Cowboys were pathetic, too. Like, Yeah, the Cowboys Tennessee didn't do themselves any favors. Yeah, Tennessee had 22 players on IR. They have used 83 players. They know that next week, this coming week, they play Jacksonville. This game was completely meaningless. The winner of the Jacksonville-Tennessee game is going to win the division and be a four seed. So they knew it meant nothing. But Prescott threw two touchdowns, two, but two interceptions. He's 46 on the season. They only led 10-6 at halftime. And Tennessee starts Josh Dobbs, who was third string. At, uh, he couldn't even get ahead of Mason Rudolph at the Steelers. So I actually like Dobbs, and, but, he's, but he played – you know, it just shows that they – you know, in terms of Malik Willis, the quarterback – they drafted the first round, or not actually the second round. Uh, they're not really confident that he can, you know, stay at it. You know, he's not ready for for the NFL at this point, and whether he will ever be ready in the NFL. But uh, just a bad. I just think Cowboys just, you know, they they snow they sleepwalk through the game, won the game, but uh, not it was not impressive. And Prescott again, another just average game. They really have got to step up their performance if they're going to. We talked about this with Philadelphia the week before. You know, they beat Philadelphia, but you know they they look sloppy in that game, and Philadelphia saw them this week. So it's like you know if Dallas. Dallas is going to be the fifth seed and they go into Tampa. You look how Tampa played and Tom Brady, I'm picking Tampa over Dallas. Like that's going to be a great game, but Dallas has better pick up their game. You know, this, this week they better, they better play well against the Giants. Yeah, and you bring up the Eagles, their fans must be pretty upset that the Cowboys essentially got a bye week, you know, going into the, the final week of the season. And now they have, a, you know, could potentially win the NFC East, potentially get the, uh, the one seed. So kind of crazy how that worked out schedule wise, Dolphins and Patriots and no team, has really fallen apart the way the Dolphins have, Ira. I know that they're decimated with injuries, including Tua to, uh, Tagovailoa, who didn't play because he's in concussion protocol. But still, you got to win these games, and the Patriots uh, got the best of them. 
this has been the story with the Dolphins in this whole long, just keep losing and losing and losing and losing games. It's, I mean, Bridgewater starts without Tua. You, you, Tua's not going to play. There's no way, no doctor is going to prove Tua to play. After the concussions he's had this year, did not get, I don't care if he passes 5,000 tests. No one is approving him to play this year. It's impossible. Like, no doctor will give that approval. And the Dolphins can't, if he got hurt again after it, it just wouldn't work. So, but Bridgewater gets in, and then he looked average during the game. You know, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, they were leading the game, though. You know, and then it was 14 7 sins, and then he, Bridgewater had a pick six, uh, made it 16 14 uh, Patriots, and then Patriots then threw a touchdown, made it 23 14. But Bridgewater was just average in the game. Uh, Dolphins' defense, when they needed to stop, couldn't, you know, the, the problem with the Dolphins is that their offense. You know, just the defense just can't make those big plays against the net team like the Patriots. It could stop them. So that was the problem. And I, I was waiting for the Dolphins to run the ball more. You know, the, Wilson had 15 carries for 45 yards. Most start nine for 29, but it really wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like one of those. You know, the, their offense changed. They were passing the most start, passing to you know Hill, Tyreek Hill, four catches, 55 yards. Waddle, three catches, 52 yards. That's not what the Dolphins have been doing all year. And that shows when Tua isn't in there, that's what the Dolphins were. And uh, that was just, you know, Skylar Tom, you know, Thompson, uh, you know, just average two. Just, it, was, it was just a bad, just a terrible game. And just a ter- but look, the Dolphins are still in a position where if the Patriots now lose to the Bills and the Dolphins win next week against the Jets, then they're gonna, they're gonna, they'll, uh, they'll make the playoffs. And speaking of the Jets, not sure if the Mike White honeymoon is uh, over yet, but didn't look like, you know, we've, we've seen two Mike Whites. We've seen Mike White that can put the team on his back and throw three touchdowns, and we've seen backup Mike White, and that's what we got versus the Seahawks. Boy, I mean, the Jets and the Dolphins are both been losing. I mean, it's like, who can lose more? You, both of those teams thought they were in the playoffs, you know, cruising along early. Now the Jets have lost five straight. Uh, it was a terrible performance. Geno Smith, I mean, you know, comeback player of the year, we want to say two touchdowns, and Ken Walker, 23 carries, 133 yards. The Jets' second half, I mean, they were just awful. They, they went almost the entire half with no first downs. Uh, they didn't run a play inside the Seahawks' 20 the entire game. Um, but a terrible season. You know, Robert Sala got a lot of credits. I'm taking receipts. You're talking us down. But they – they, they, look, if you're the Jets fan, you're like, our defense is great. We just get the quarterback situation. We'll be fine. So I think there's hope in Jets land. You think you have it, but you would, if Zach Wilson was – if they were seven and nine and Zach Wilson had played well, like then I think you're more comfortable. Like if you, but I think Zach Wilson playing poorly, knowing he's not the answer. I think if you're a Jets fan, you're like, we've got to get this quarterback. We've got to figure something out here. And that's where the Jets have it. And you don't get the playoffs and you don't get the excitement of playing in the playoffs and those type of things. So I think it was a very, you know, very disappointing season for the Jets and the Seahawks now have stole hope that they can get into the playoffs. So you can say what you want about the Denver Broncos and it's all true. I mean, they're, Probably the most disappointing team I've seen in a long time. This has just been an ugly season for them. Nathaniel Hackett's been fired. But for some reason, they, they keep these scores close with Kansas City. They just played two weeks ago, and we're getting blown out, but then made it close, and then we had another close one uh, uh, yesterday. Yeah, they won. They, uh, Kansas City won 27-24. What I liked about this game was, I, I, I've been saying this, they should have fired Nathaniel Hackett two months ago. Like, he's clearly not ready to be the coach of this team. Jerry Rossberg comes in, and the team just looked much better. Like, this, Russell Wilson looked even better in this game. Now they blew the lead, all those other things. You know, it was just a mess. I mean, Chiefs were down 17-13 in third quarter and came back, but that's what Chiefs do. I mean, it's classic Chiefs. I mean, they, they just they hang around in games, they win. Mahomes is now 11-0 and against Denver. So if there's ever, you know, when Aaron Rodgers said, I own Chicago, uh, Patrick Mahomes owns Denver Broncos. Uh, this, they've actually had 15 straight wins against Denver. But 
uh, it was it was like I can't read much in about this game, even though it's just it's what Mahomes been doing all year. Uh, McKinnon, five catches, fifty two yards, two touchdowns. If you're playing with fantasy, the guy was you're upset. <laughs> Kelsey had seven catches. He finds the player. Mahomes. This team is about Mahomes, and he's like Brady. It's like okay, so I'm going to touchdown to we're winning this game. Like that's what that's what these quarterbacks are. They play it tight and then they win. Yeah, I mean they play to the competition very often, but Mahomes just knows. At any time, you can put the team on his back and win the game. Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Don't forget, you can follow Ira on social media at Ira on Sports. So if, if you're a Red Zone Channel guy like I am, the 1 o'clock games start, Ira, and it, you're basically just watching the Jacksonville Jaguars versus Texans game because they were scoring early and often. You just kept seeing the Jaguars pop up and scoring, and they blew them out. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird game. The Jaguars didn't need to win this game either. They tried, unlike the Tennessee Titans, who gave it up. Jaguars played. And, you know, Lawrence was 17 for 21, 152 yards, but the Texans just a terrible performance. But, look, the Jaguars should be happy. Etienne ran for 100 yards, at 170 yards total rushing. Uh, you know, they got they went up to a 21 nothing lead and just cruised the rest of the way. But this sets up this winner-take-all game. Like, we saw the Carolina-Tampa game this week. This is going to be, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a winner-take-all. You know, it's going to be, and it could be at 8 and you know, an eight and nine team or a nine and eight team is gonna is going to win this division uh, and be the fourth seed in the AFC. And uh, but if you're a Jaguar fan, you have gotta be happy with it because unlike the Jets, you're like they're one game better than the Jets, but they have their quarterback of the future. They seem to be playing well. They're trending right. You know, they, they just good win for them. And then uh, you've got to think they're a big favorite against Tennessee next week with Tennessee with all the injuries they have without having a quarterback. You'd, you've got to think that Jacksonville. And this is, you know, it all started last year at the end. I know, you know, they had the different, they had made the course of the coaching change, but when they upset the Colts, remember at the, at the end of the game of the Colts last year, when the Colts had a chance to, to win the, uh, the, the, to make the playoffs and everything was set, they were going to do that. And Jacksonville upset them. That actually helped the Steelers get into the playoffs. Uh, that huge upset when they blew it. I think, you know, there's, the, if you're Jaguars, it's amazing. The, if you would think the beginning of the season, the Jag, if I said the Jaguars were going to make the playoffs and the Dolphins weren't, you're like, you're crazy. That's impossible. But Jaguars have done enough. And, the, and really the Titans, they're only in this position because the Titans have lost six in a row games. If they only lose six in a row, they're not in a position to, to be playing to get into it. So. so, Ira, you have a lot more confidence in Tampa Bay than I do. And I'm looking at this game versus Carolina, and Carolina is running the ball down people's throats. Sam Darnold looks... I want to say good. He looked pretty good lately, uh, which is weird to put those two uh, words in the same sentence. So I'm looking at this like ah, three and a half points for Carolina. I'm taking the Panthers to beat the to beat Tampa here. Wasn't to be Brady and Evans connection said no, no, not going to happen today. Oh, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, you're just what happened because you're up fourteen nothing and then Brady to Evans sixty three yards. Then Sam Darnold fumbles the ball, and the field goal makes it 14-10. Second half, Darnold has another interception, but then they block the field goal from the, the buck. So it's sort of similar to the TCU game in reverse, though. Carolina scored a touchdown. They were up at the end of three. They're up 21-10. So you're up three, 21-10. But what have we said from day one? What have we said from day you know day one? 21-10, they're going to make that comeback and do it, and that's what they did. Um, and uh, Brady to Evans, 57 yards, made it 21-16. Carolina punts. And then Brady to Evans again, uh, just another amazing play. I mean, it was just, it was just, it, I mean, uh, Mike Evans, 10 catches, 207 yards, three touchdowns, Chris Godwin, nine catches, 120 uh, yards. Uh, it was just perfect. And it, it, again, that's, they, uh, this is, this is, if you're counting Tampa out, you're crazy because 
Evans and Godwin are great, and Brady's those passes to Evans were perfect. And Carolina, like, what happened? Like, this was their chance. I mean, I, I agree. They, I thought they were just going to run the ball. They were going to win, and they had this game. They had the game won. They were up twenty-one ten at the end of three, and they blew it. I mean, all they had to do was this is a team that that can take the ball and run it down, and you know, take ten minutes to go down, and they weren't able to hold on. Yeah, those those were some vintage throws, those Brady to Evans throws. Absolutely perfect on the button, and nothing you can do to defend that, especially with Mike Evans uh, you know, screeching down the field. Philly versus New Orleans, and I know that Jalen Hurts is out, but Gardner Minshew, Ira, probably the best backup quarterback in the league. They looked terrible against New Orleans, and this is supposed to be best best offensive line in the league, best defensive line. They should win this game with me at quarterback, and they did not look good. This is a team that... You know, supposed to be the number one seed in the league, and they really just don't look like it lately. I know Hertz is out, but you got to be concerned if you're an Eagle fan. Well, the Eagles hadn't allowed more than four sacks in a game. They let allowed five sacks in the first half. Uh, they didn't convert a first down until there were 12 seconds left in half. You know, we're really playing New Orleans. New Orleans has been terrible. I've, you know, they, they just. I, they're seven and nine, but they're just you know they're just not a team. You know, Andy Dalton's the quarterback. Uh, it was so funny. I was looking uh, Cincinnati's playing Buffalo, and I was looking if Josh Allen ever played Joe Burrow before they didn't. Last time Allen played Cincinnati was when Andy Dalton was the quarterback of Cincinnati. So that's how long ago it was. But um, the Eagles had run the ball. I mean, they had 15 carries, 67 yards uh, against a team where you thought they would just run the ball without it. it just a mess and. Uh, Look, you know, they could lose next week, and if they lose next week, they're, uh, they're, you're, you're looking at a situation where San Francisco uh, could be the number one seed, and you just gave away the number one seed, or they, they lose and, and Dallas wins. You know, they could jump to be a, a fifth seed. This is, what's happening to Philadelphia is just no one thought they would lose three in a row, and with Jalen Hurts injured. Remember, Jalen Hurts is out, not playing, and if he comes back, who's saying that he's going to come back and going to be in great position? So it's a, it's a you know, very bad situation for, for Philadelphia in terms of, you know, where they, where they thought they were a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, uh, but and their advantage is this. They played the Giants. I think I misspoke earlier. They played the Giants this week. Giants are locked in their position. So you've got to think they're going to beat the Giants and get that one game. I mean, that, it, it, they can't lose. You didn't think they were going to lose to New Orleans either. I mean, people expect maybe they'll lose to Dallas, but they, they at home. They're never going to lose this game with anybody. You're right. We're going to win the game this great team going to the playoffs without who cares who play a quarterback you should win that game they lose so maybe they do lose to the Giants next week yeah and we'll we'll talk about that coming up because it, it like I'm debating as a fan like do you sit <laughs> you sit Daniel Jones and rest guys here or you know with this team playing over their heads let them you know let them get some more momentum here so we're gonna have to see what happens there so one thing I told a lot of people this year Ira going into fantasy football was just take Justin Jefferson I don't care if it's the first pick overall Take Justin Jefferson, and he lived up to that, you know, for this entire season. Up until yesterday, Jair Alexander and a lot of double coverages shut him down, and we saw Minnesota look like that paper tiger that people have been uh, touting them as all year. Oh, don't don't uh, dismiss paper tigers because they look worse than a paper tiger. I mean, Justin <laughs> Jefferson, who had nine catches for 184 yards and two touchdowns in the first victory, uh, was held to one catch for 15 yards. I mean, we've heard about this is unbelievable to have that first game with Jefferson look great, and I've had it in my fantasy, and now I'm going to lose fantasy this week. I mean, the whole championship over this, but it's, it's through stupid moves on my part, not starting DJ Moore and other things that were crazy. If you ever play fantasy like I do, and, and it came down, if I would have played DJ Moore instead of uh, – 
Davis uh, for the Buffalo tonight, I would have won by like a point. Uh, but uh, it was, it, it, but Jefferson was, but the, the, it, from a scheme from the Vikings perspective, they lose 41 17. I mean, Aaron Rodgers only threw for 159 yards and one touchdown. They really didn't, Lazard, everyone who thought, boy, Minnesota's pass defense is so terrible, they didn't even have to do anything. Minnesota was just awful. I mean, they've been awful, but this is now the third time, you know, they were awful against Philadelphia, they were awful against Dallas, they're awful now. Like, this has been, these are some of these awful, awful performances, and the Packers were one in seven. They were four and eight. Now control their own destiny. They go to Detroit. They win next week. They're going to be in the playoffs, just like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady and Rodgers are both in the playoffs. What did I say? Look at the quarterbacks that are left. I, I'd rather have Brady and Rodgers than any of these other quarterbacks. You know, so that's what they're going to. They're putting themselves in a great position in terms of making noise. Or not, I don't heard the like the term make noise, but get to the Super Bowl because if Brady and Rodgers are in the playoffs, there's a good chance that either one of them is going to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, Brady or Rodgers versus Brock Purdy. But you know what it could right. come down to. Zach Prescott and injured Jalen Hurts. I mean, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, yeah. We just were throwing these names out. Like, it's crazy. It's, 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 you're right. It, that is what I'm saying. Is that I'm not saying they'll make noise or they're going to, you don't want to face. It's not, no. If I'm Tom Brady, Tom Brady is not playing a playoff game thinking, oh, that's great. I made the playoffs. Like, when you're at the age that Brady and Rodgers are, they're like, I'm in the playoffs. I win. How many games have to play? Three, four games? I win four games. I have another Super Bowl championship. Let's do it. Let's go. Like, and when you're that old and you think you're so close, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's no tomorrow. Like, this is it. And, that, and the team feeds off that, and now they both teams are hot in terms of Tampa and Green Bay, and the rest of the teams are like teams like Minnesota and Philadelphia are, are folding, and Dallas looks like they're playing terrible. So no, yeah, you got to I mean, it, I heard a lot of people say like four weeks ago, put bet Bucks Super Bowl odds because they were huge, huge, you know, huge numbers, and it's like they're going to make it into the playoffs because their division stinks, and then they got Brady, and look who they're going to play against: Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins. So maybe some people made some money off that. Detroit's been really hard to peg this season, Ira. And I'm thinking, you know, last week was a huge game for them, and Carolina ran the ball down their throats. And a lot of people thought Chicago had a good chance against Detroit this week, and Detroit said, well, hold on, guys. We're still way better than Chicago. Well, Detroit wins their 8-8, eight and eight, and now they're set. If they can beat Green Bay, Seattle loses, they're in the playoffs. And this is a team that, that started out, you know, no one gave them a shot either. And Jared Goff. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to play him. He's been really hot. 255 yards, one touchdown. Their running game is great. Jamal Williams, 140 yards. Don Devontae Smith, 78 yards. Uh, Jameson Williams, their, their star running wide receiver, had 40-yard run for a touchdown. Uh, they're playing great. Dan Campbell has done a, a tremendous job at Detroit. Turkey and his team, that was, they, were, they won three games last year. They're one and six this year. You know, we're talking about these teams like Detroit and Green Bay. They are playing well. So this is going to be a good game, this final game of the season in terms of what's happening. But, again, if you're a Lions fan, you're like, well, we have to find a quarterback. We have to find a quarterback. But that trade, when they traded Stafford for Goff, everyone laughed at them for that. They got draft picks in that trade, and they got a quarterback, Goff, who was actually playing great, who they don't have to pay so much money to. So it's, like, perfect in terms of, of what and and uh, it was a big win and I'll tell you what from a Chicago perspective, uh, Justin Fields was awful. Seven for twenty one, seventy five yards. I know he rushed for one hundred thirty two yards. He has like eleven 1, hundred yards rushing, but there's, that's not. They don't even run the the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, most of his runs are just total breakdowns. And if that's not a way to succeed, you can't just think that you're in the NFL this year that you're going to have a quarterback run. And if he doesn't start having a traditional offense, or there, it's not going to work. Like I'm not sold on Justin Fields. He is a great runner, and he is a great you know everything breaks down, make a plays. But if he has to improve his passing, and they just can't expect him to run a thousand yards again next year, he's never going to last the league more than a couple years. 
Yeah, and referencing Jared Goff, as you brought up, he's the least of Detroit's issues right now. That offense is fine. The defense is pathetic. So Jared Goff, this is a career revitalization. If it wasn't for Geno Smith, I'd be giving him comeback player of the year because he's blown my expectations completely out. And speaking of, you know, crushing my expectations, the New York Giants, my team, I thought this was a five-win team. So this really goes to show what Brian Dable and a winning culture and good coaching can do for a team because I he's my coach of the year. I don't think that anyone's getting as much out of their players as Dayball. I'm excited for this team, and I think they could win a playoff game. Yeah, if you knew Richie James was going to be your top wide receiver, <laughs> seven catches, 76 yards, Daniel Jones has looked great. I mean, uh, he, see, Jones had almost 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, but he ran for two touchdowns and had 100 yards rushing. But it was sort of like it, it, it just they're running. Barkley had – this is the most yards Barkley has had in his whole career at the Giants. Um, but they, you know, they play the Colts. They're terrible, 38-10. But, look, they're 9-6-1. and one. They're to the sixth seed. At tremendous performance. And the question is – what? And, and if you're a Giant fan, you're like – and you're like almost in this perspective where the Steelers are right now. It's like Daniel Jones is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. But, boy, Daniel Jones can win games. Let's keep rolling with him. Like, I'm not saying give him this monster. You're like, oh, does he get his contract? No, they don't. Again, we talked about this before. You don't have to give contracts every, every quarterback $40 million. Not every left tackle gets paid the same amount of money. But he should earn certain what uh, of a contract and keep playing with him but in a way that if he has a bad next year, if you cut him, the world's not going to come to an end. But the point is that uh, um, I, I think it was like, I think if you're a Giants fan, you're like, boy, we have a coach. We have a quarterback who we think with it, with more pieces, could win with, and let's go with it. And especially in the NFC, when all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC, you know, Herbert and Mahomes and Allen, they're all in the AFC. You know, you're Daniel Jones. You could be the, the you know, first team all black pro in the, in the NFC because it really, you know, once Brady and Rodgers are out of there, they're the, there's no one left. And it's like you said, Richie James and Isaiah Hodges, these guys are practice squad guys. That this is his number one and number two. I'd like to see what happened with some some pieces around him. We'll see though. I do think they have to stick stick with him though uh, for sure. Can I ask you a question? I, I really respect Ron Rivera. I think he's a great coach. Why was Carson Wentz starting this game for the Washington Commanders, Ira? It just made no sense. Taylor Heineke, like he's not Patrick Mahomes. That's okay. You don't necessarily need that in the NFC. He wasn't really losing games for them though. Carson Wentz gets to start. He starts off the game two for six with two picks. This was a game they had to win, and what do you know? Carson Wentz blows it. Carson Wentz was terrible. Um, and if you're like Robert Ursay from the Colts, you saw this is Carson Wentz. <laughs> He's probably the worst like end of game quarterback ever, end of season quarterback, because he blew the game for the Colts last year with the interceptions. But again, Heineke was playing well. They lose to San Francisco. That's not a bad thing to lose to San Francisco. San Francisco made a lot of quarterbacks look bad. Then they lose to Cleveland, and they pull. You know, they put Wentz in for Heineke, which was a mistake. You know, and then they lose. And then this game, the start Wentz in a game when everybody went to Heineke, the fans of the city had the sound on the game. They're chanting for Heineke. He, the team supports him. You saw they were seven and five and one going into the bye week. They had that the seven seed locked up. Maybe the six seed locked up. And uh, to let us go away. And then Ron Rivera, after the game, they said, what would happen you know, if you get eliminated? He goes, we're not getting eliminated. It's impossible. And they're like, yeah, if Green Bay wins, you're eliminated. He's like, I didn't know that. Like, how can you be the coach of team? You're getting paid $7, $8 million. <laughs> you don't know what your possibilities are, what happened. Like, maybe would that made a difference if you play? Like, terrible all around by Washington. A terrible end of the season. When a couple weeks ago, they, they, they were lucky. They had one of those teams that had those late buys. And you're like, okay, they're 7-5-1. They have a buy. They're going to come in. They're going, you know, this is perfect to get a buy that in a totally squander that awful and the Giants you know that you know Giants are positioned to they came out the by they you know that was a big you know that, that Giants win over over Washington was crucial but how Ron Rivera handled that question and also the Wentz bringing Wentz back after his out the whole year just 
everything made no sense. I, I think you have to fire him. I, I, I hate to say that because I think he's a really good coach, but that's just terrible team management, roster management. Like, what is going on in Washington? So, <laughs> Derek Carr is a guy that I, I really I root for. And your boy, Jarrett Stidham, has supplanted him as, as the, as the uh, quarterback of the Raiders. Carr's time is done. But Jarrett Stidham looked good. They're playing San Francisco, Ira, and they made this a really good game. And I'm sure there's a lot of fantasy people who are super worried about Devontae Adams, who's done nothing for a month. He looked reinvigorated with Jarrett Stidham. So your boy is in there and making the Raiders look like a viable team. Well, I said, I said, okay, I said that at the beginning, when I saw a preseason game, I was in Cape May, New Jersey, and I watched a Raiders preseason game, and I said Stidham looked fantastic. This is not Stidham from New England. And you said Stidham's terrible, Stidham's terrible. I'm like, no, I mean, he looks really, really good. So I liked how he played. He played great in this game. He was great. And Brock Purdy, you know, both of them had both good games, and Purdy's been just amazing. And the, the 49ers, look, if, the, if, the, if my team, if the um, Buccaneers or the Packers can't get through, the 49ers look like the best team clearly in the NFC. Uh, McCafferty is just revitalized. I mean, 90 carries, 121 yards. He's catching ball, six catches, 72 yards. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, they've now won nine games in a row. They clinched the number two seed. They're the, you know, they are on a roll with Rogue and B. But the Raiders gave him a good, good run. I have to say, Josh McDaniels, though, I mean, that, I want to say about why they pulled, we, we did our show last week, and then he had made a decision on Carr. They threw Derek Carr through 30 times in the Steelers, win the snow, in the cold, and not run the ball. I thought it was a joke, and uh, I just I questioned McDaniel's whole play calling and everything. But uh, but I got to give Stidham credit. A great game for him, and great game for Brock Purdy to come in. But great game for the 49ers who, in this environment, and and you know, so people were at the game though said it was like 80 20 49ers fans at the game. But uh, they're on a roll. They're playing great, and uh, their defense did did look their defense. Uh, I thought played poorly. They finally gave up points, but then to see their offense be able to respond like they did, and they could have won a regulation, but Robbie Gold missed the field goal, but then to come back in overtime, Purdy led the team on two game-winning drives because they should have won the game in regulation. So, big win for I, I like the 49ers. I mean, to me, they win next week. They're in a position, and the Eagles lose. They're going to be the number one seed. So, talking about teams getting hot at the right time, most of them being NFC teams, I don't really hear anybody talking about the Chargers. And this, I know the Rams stink, but this is a team that's Seems to be getting better every week, which is always a good sign. It's going to be tough in the AFC. But if this they're in the NFC, I'd be taking them to go to the Super Bowl. They look good right now. Had a very convincing win over the Rams. Yeah, well, the Chargers are locked into that six seed, too. Like, sort of what the Giants are. They're sort of in that position. Um, but you look at the Chargers. They've won six straight over Cleveland, Detroit, New England, Jets, Miami, Chicago. Uh, no, wait, they, the Chargers have won four straight games. <laughs> and, but the key for them, is they have Eckler, the running back, healthy. They have Mike Williams, healthy. They have Keenan Allen, healthy. These guys are never healthy at the same time. So let's run with it. You know, if you're going to get them healthy, it's better to have them healthy right now than at the beginning of the season. So they're all healthy. They're ready to go. And you have the star quarterback. Let's see what happens. And if you're a Chargers fan, you're excited about this. So that's where uh, you know that 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 that, that the, the, their health is the biggest thing. Some teams right now look like like Tennessee. Everyone's hurt, but other teams seem like wow they. Everyone somehow got healthy at the same time, and that helps so much. So, Ira, tonight, maybe the Monday Night Football game of the season, Bills-Bengals. I know that the Bills are the preseason favorite to, to win the Super Bowl. I'm taking the Bengals tonight. I think they're playing better football right now. What do you think happens tonight? 
The Bills have won six straight. The Bengals have won seven straight. I said before, Josh Allen has never played Joe Burrow in a game. This is a monster game. Bills win this game. They should be, if they beat the Patriots, they'll be the number one seed. Um, this is a huge game. Huge. <laughs> Again, they put, it's at the, it's at, I'm surprised that Buffalo was a point and a half favorite. I thought the Bengals might have been like a point favorite or something like that. I can't wait for this game. I think the Bills are a better team, and I think Bills, the Bills, what they did against the Chiefs, when they went to Kansas City and won that game, I think they come in and win this game. I just, I can't wait for it. I think it'll be a great game. I'm going to miss a lot because I'm at the Rose Bowl. So it's come, this game is worth airing now, so it's going to come on in a few minutes. Uh, but uh, I, this is going to be a, a great game. I think the Bills barely win the game, but it's a tremendous game. I don't care who wins. I need 20 points out of Joe Mixon to win my fantasy championship. So that's what I'll be rooting for. What's the scenarios here, Ira? Because we're, we're down to the nitty-gritty here, and a lot of stuff's decided. Bills win tonight, and they beat the Patriots to the one seed. The Chiefs win and get the one seed if they win with a with a win if they beat the Raiders next week and the Bills lose, um, or the Bengals uh, the Bills lose the Bengals. Um, the Bengals can actually if they beat the Bills and the Ravens and the Chiefs lose, they they actually would then get into be the one seed. So you have three teams potentially getting the one seed: the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals. There's a, there's a way if the Bengals lose this week and lose next week, the Ravens can actually win the division, which is uh, crazy to think that the Ravens, who lost to the Steelers, can come back and win the division over the Bengals. Um, and then the AFC South title is between the Jaguars and Titans. Winner goes, loser doesn't, and that's going to be key. Um, the fourth seed is either Jacksonville, Tennessee, fifth seed, Ravens or Bengals, sixth seed, Chargers. And the seventh seed is, you know, Patriots have it. So Patriots, uh, they beat the Bills, they're in. And the Dolphins, if they lose, the Dolphins, they have to win their game over the Jets, they're in. And if those two things happen, the Steelers win over the Browns, the Steelers amazingly had like a 1% chance that I never thought would happen. They needed like 15 things to happen for them to win, and they're down to their final three. So they've got like 12 of the 15 things that have to happen, and the Steelers could get in at eight. That are pretty amazing. They need both the Patriots and the Dolphins to lose um, to get in. But uh, um, uh, And then if all that happens, actually, if the, you know, there is a way for, I think, Jacksonville or Tennessee to get in. If, if the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Steelers all lose, they can, then they can actually get the wild card, but it won't go that crazy. But in the NFC um, – this is a mess. I mean, this is where everyone thought this was over. Eagles, you know, the, the thing that Eagles worry about is like we're going to have too much rest. But the Eagles, if they lose against the the, the, the Giants, they're they're out. <laughs> you know, they're out. If the Cowboys win, then they over the Commanders, then they could jump over the Eagles, and uh, the Eagles could drop to being a four seed, and then they could have, and then the Forty ers But if they, they the only way that would happen is the Forty ers lose to the uh, Cardinals, which would never going to happen impossible to happen but tampa is set at the four seed giants are set at six seed and then the seventh seed is the packers packers have it they beat the lions they get it if they don't then seahawks have a chance they got to win their game against the rams which they probably should and if everything happens a miracle lions win packers seahawks lose lions get in but uh you know we're sort of look we see the playoff picture we see where it's at but you got to like the teams that are playing well right now and, uh, and the, you know, the teams that are hot and some teams are just like leaking oil and just are not, you know, it doesn't really matter in, in January what you did in September and October if you're not playing well. Ira, you've got uh, big plans tonight. What's up for the rest of the week? Um, the rest of the week would be the national. I'm going to stay here. I might catch a basketball game. And then next Monday, we'll, I'll be right on site and we're going to have the, we'll be right before we'll have a big show planned. 
for the Georgia TCU national championship game will be at SoFi that night on Monday night. So we'll do our show from 7 to 8, and then we go right into the national championship game. Uh, so excited. So I'll stay I'm going to be out here all in L.A. all week and uh, got, got some good guests lined up for that show for previewing the national championship game. It's always hard to do the Monday shows. We have a big game coming up on that, but I can't wait for it. So that'll be next Monday night. We are out of time. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. We'll talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.